situations are dire and very just heartbreaking. Um, and in the most extreme cases, when it does come to period poverty, uh, there was a school we went to in an area called Moranga. And usually mm-hmm. when we visit these schools, aside from, uh, you know, having talks on menstrual health, we like to ask administrators, teachers and counselors, what are some unique challenges that your students, your students may face? Um, and so in the most extreme cases, we've gone to a lot of communities where uh, sex trafficking for pads is actually a thing. It's a common practice. Uh, these communities, it's normal for a young girl to sleep with a Boda Boda rider, which um, Boda Boda is a motorcycle rider. So they're mm-hmm. like motorbike. Uh, you'll find young girls as young as 13 sleeping with uh, Boda Boda riders so that they can get money to buy pads. So it, it's, a, it's an exchange. You give me sex and then I'll give you pads. Wow. And that is that is their reality. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> Hey, welcome to yet another week, and that signals for another epic episode of your favorite podcast of all time, Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina Ishabani, and I'm your host, doing the absolute most on this great platform that we've been blessed with, where we can come and have the conversations and discussions about the things that matter, with the people that matter, the people of the continent, to the people that are rising to the occasion and that are effecting change in their various respective sectors. And today I'm speaking to a sister from Kenya who's going to be representing a really great organization. She's one of the co-founders of this organization that, you know, really does multiple things just to emancipate Africa, to emancipate African women, most importantly, and to most importantly, even more important than that, to eradicate period of poverty. And I'm super, super blessed to have her on the show today. She's a personality in her own right. And she's doing an absolute most, you know, not just in this woman empowerment space, in the period poverty space, but as a presenter. And I have the Kenyan queen herself, Angela Wambui. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for accepting to do this. And I'm super, super excited, you know, to just foster more of these great connections across borders, you know, so that we can just continue to unite Africa and to advance together. Welcome. Thank you, Sakina, for the warm uh, so excited to be a part of your podcast. If there's anything that I love is, is connecting the dots with sisters across the continent. So mm-hmm. thank you for the amazing work that you're doing and the African stories that you have been sharing. It's a pleasure. It's a privilege. It's a serious honor. Um, you know, that God really gave me this platform and this voice to be able to be this person that I am at this particular moment and to share these stories and to have these stories. I mean, I'm, I just feel so like blessed to be able to connect with people that I would have ordinarily not had the opportunity to speak to, to get to know especially on this kind of level and so it's it's really really amazing just as amazing on my side awesome now i want you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you sisters together especially to the point where you decided we need to band together and do this for our young girls in kenya definitely um so there's three of us uh myself i have another angela um called angela waweru and also our other partner monica mohoya and basically we all met uh in 2019 
seen, uh, all coming from very, very different backgrounds. Myself having grown up in the USA, mm -hmm. uh, Monica having grown up here in Kenya, and uh, the other Angela Waweru having grown up in the United Kingdom. So we come from very different walks of life. But our mother company is called Sister Speaks, and that's a female-centered events organization. So we focus on, you know, holistic wellness, career development, you know, and, and creating a safe space for women to come together and just be themselves, celebrate themselves, have accountability partners and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and we started that um, back in April 2019. And, you know, literally, it's like, I wanted to do a vision board party. So I reached out to my girl, Angela. And, you know, she was also doing something uh, similar with her friend, Monica. Yes. So we kind of just joined forces, um, because we need to do something to uplift women and the girl child and whatnot and we didn't know what was going to become but we were like okay let's you know hold a get together we got 15 friends together we just held a little event in the backyard but we realized that women are always yearning to have a safe space and speak and voice themselves and speak their truth out loud without being judged you know yeah so that's kind of where everything started and after that may rolled around and at the end of may is menstrual hygiene day which is always marked every year on the 28th of may yeah. Uh, it's a global event. And so we said, you know, what? we should probably do something for menstrual hygiene day. It was meant to be a one-off project. We were like, let's, you know, raise as many pads as we can, you know, donate them to some home and be good with the Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so the concept of heels for pads was, uh, you know, kind of coined by who's one of our founders and so we just wanted to think of a creative way of connecting women and also just making it fun to you know exchange pads for heels we're like ah, oh, all women have a lot of heels in their closet that they'd be willing to exchange you know so when we first did our first heels for pads exchange the response was so overwhelming and when we told people what we planned on doing with the pads and, and why we were doing it people got more and more interested and we just started rolling with it it was just meant mm -hmm. to be a one-month project but but um, the response was was heavy. Uh, we had so many people that donated heels to us. We had shops, you know, either yeah. there's a shop that might have overstock or, you know, individual ladies like myself and yourself, uh, you might have some shoes that you've bought and never, ever touched, or maybe some shoes you've worn like once. So by people donating those heels, that that's what was fueling. Um, so we'd set up in places like clubs, and this exchange of heels and pads allowed us to go and disrupt places where you typically would never discuss periods, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. our, our mission was to raise awareness on period poverty and also inspire people to help converse about these things, men and women. It's not just a women's issue. It's a human rights issue. And that's something we really, really wanted to highlight. I love that you touched on that, especially that aspect that um, it's a human rights issue, something that mm -hmm. I, you know, just recently came to the awareness of, or to the realization of that global this is not just a, um, you know, you're being marginalized in this area, you know, you're just period poor and you can't afford menstrual health education or education about menstruation in general, or you can't afford period products. This is actually a violation of your human rights to a basic yeah. right, you know, as a female, as a, as a woman, as a human being. So definitely big ups to you guys in, in that regard. Um, you're doing a really great job. I mean, it's unconventional. It's quite interesting. Heels for pads because, you know, most people would just do the regular thing, which is not a bad thing, do the regular thing 
something that is, you know, solicit for funds. Yeah, the normal donation or, or that type of thing. And it's amazing to see that the response is just as great. Kenya has not been in the news in the past few weeks, few months for the best things. You know, a lot of gender-based violence stories yes. and, and a lot of really, really painful things. And, and it's beautiful to see the response even on social media. And it's great to know that there are people within the country, especially Kenyans themselves, that are just doing something to emancipate their people in the, in the little ways that they can. And so I'm glad that you guys didn't, you know, just stop it in that month and you continued. And, you know, I, I know that you're touching so many lives. And that will bring me to this question. Uh-huh. Like I said, you know, Kenya has not been in the news for the nicest things in the past while. One, one of the reasons why it is highlighted in the news is because of its percentage of period poverty. And uh-huh. according to stats, about 65% of your young women and girls are experiencing period poverty. But it's easy for me yes. to, to sit here and quote stats. You are on the ground. You are experiencing this. You know, you are interacting with these young girls and these women. What is the actual state, you know, of the period poverty crisis in Kenya? Who I'm like, where do I even begin to start? Um, the term period poverty, if you ask, you know, the average person on the street, you're like, do you know what period poverty is? And someone will pause and be like, uh, you know, they'll think about it and just put two and two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so off the bat, not having access or not being able to afford menstrual products to manage your period. But when you go on the ground, hearing about it and actually being on the ground and seeing things, I don't think I myself was not really aware of period poverty. If you're not directly affected, it's something that would never, ever cross your mind. So one thing I would say is on this journey, I've never thought about a period on such a deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so some communities we go to, so women that don't have access to pads, they end up using harmful alternatives in its place. The common ones could be bed mattress or a sock tissue, which, you know, most people have experienced, but in more extreme cases, you'll find women that use ash in place wow. of a pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find women that take disposable pads and try to wash them and reuse them. And you can only imagine uh, the kind of bacteria that can get stuck in there. Here you have someone trying to wash a disposable pad and use it. Um, in some villages, you know, you'll, you'll meet women that might use like dry cow dung or like goat hide or something because they're just trying to make something out of nothing that will work. In the coastal regions, uh, there have been cases where girls go to sit on the sand for three days and bleed. Wow. Mm. Um, so I'm like, what? what? Yeah. You know, like the more and more you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> Things I could not even imagine in 21st century, this is still an issue. I'm like, wow. And I think that became our fuel for deciding to continue on um, because there are just certain things you just can't unsee. Uh, we've been to maternity wards uh, where you find women that have just given birth and they're there sharing the same bed with another woman because the hospital is, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, what? You know, mm. so after giving birth, you already know, like, there's going to be a lot of things happening. And a lot of these women can't afford menstrual products, but here they are having to share beds with other women that have just given birth as well. So situations are dire and very just heartbreaking. Um, And in the most extreme cases, when it does come to period poverty, uh, there was a school we went to in an area called Moranga. And usually mm-hmm. when we visit these schools, aside from, uh, you know, having talks on menstrual health, we like to ask administrators, teachers and counselors, what are some unique challenges that your students, your students may face? Um, and so in the most extreme cases, we've gone to a lot of communities where uh, sex trafficking for pads is actually a thing. It's a common practice. 
these communities, it's normal for a young girl to sleep with a Boda Boda rider, which um, Boda Boda is a motorcycle rider. So they're mm-hmm. like motorbike. Uh, you'll find young girls as young as 13 sleeping with uh, Boda Boda riders so that they can get money to buy pads. So it, it's a it's an exchange. You give me sex and then I'll give you pads. Wow. And that is that is their reality. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, really disheartening. So in Kenya, pads on average retail at about 50 bob, which is uh, about 50 cents USD. Mm-hmm. And a lot of girls can't afford that. You know, um, there's that. And then there's also the issue of people uh, living in that survival mentality. So you'll go to some slum areas and, you know, here we are giving out pads, thinking we're doing a great thing. And these women are turning around to sell the pads. Why? Because in their mind, they're like, well, I've managed to live seven years without a pad. Like, what do I need this for? As in, even as a woman, she doesn't see the value in a pad. So donating free pads is not enough. You must educate, you must uplift, you must enlighten and let these women know like your menstrual health, you know, your reproductive health is important. It's yours and it's it's what gives you your power, you know, mm-hmm. as a woman, you must understand your body and all these things. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty layered. It's pretty mind blowing the things that you see on the ground. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it sounds devastating because, you know, I mean, we're doing this remotely and everything. And like I said, I can sit here and quote facts and stuff and statistics, but like you said, there's certain things you just can't unsee and there's certain realities that you can only be aware of when you're on ground when you're experiencing this firsthand so it's heartbreaking you know because because you're confirming you know these facts and I mean I can't I can't imagine how do you sit you know on the sand for three days and just bleed like Uh aren't there insects around there I mean isn't it dirty you know what do you what do you eat do they eat while they sit it must also get exhausting it must get exhausting because mind you coast is in a very hot area so you're sitting in the sun bleeding for three days that's uncomfortable and then on on top of that this is actually an aspect which you know can get a bit tricky but i always wonder it's one thing to give these women um the menstrual products that they need in order to manage their menstruation and of course Mm -hmm. you know to give them the education to understand the importance of you know managing it well and in a hygienic way what about methods of calming cramps and dealing with pain and you know the, the the other aspects that you know go a bit deeper um which they can probably not afford because you know they're already experiencing seeing poverty in other aspects yeah how, how do you how do you tackle that like endometriosis how do you tackle you know those kinds of conversations and and just getting painkillers for their cramps yeah um yeah it's, it's a bit hard because you know when it especially at a time when covid and the pandemic took over it's like if you have to choose between rice and a pad of course you're going to choose food yeah because mm-hmm. you got to think about how are you surviving and most women that we do meet they're living in that survival mentality so you're not looking at the whole picture you're just looking at the right there now having um you know this issue of period poverty compounded by the pandemic just created really dire situations um so when we go into the schools or communities we always make sure that we have like a question and answer session you know we also try and just normalize the conversation of periods you know asking girls like oh how many of you experience cramping yeah so pretty much we just try to get into these communities and normalize conversations around periods so that you know sometimes a girl might be like oh I haven't had a period for three months 
you know, and then we're able to like kind of advise that's not typically normal. You know, it might be a sign of something else. And yes, money is an issue for a lot of the girls, Mm -hmm. but at least we tell them to utilize the resources that are within reach. Um, So really, uh, you know, when we get to a school, we talk a lot with the guidance counselor just to encourage them to be connected to their girls. Sometimes we'll have a question box where girls, if they don't want to ask public questions, we have them write down a personal question, whether it has to do with uh, reproductive health, sex, whatever. It's a privacy box where they put in their question. And, you know, at least we answer things that they've always been curious about, but they're not comfortable asking maybe a higher authority or a teacher. Yeah. So that's where we are with that. I love that because, I mean, it, it really was a question that came up, you know, because I have um, had more exposure to this conversation. Of course, to the typical person, it's just literally like, OK, great. You know, let's let's talk about the different products. Let's talk about how we get these products to these people. But then when you actually like get to interact, get to go deeper, you know, with this, um, you realize it's it's a multidimensional problem and it's called period poverty for a reason. You know, these people are experiencing poverty. And in most cases, that's the reason why they're not able to to afford the education and the products that they need to manage their menstruation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, yes. Monica has just joined us. The, one of the trio, you know, that's we're not able to join from the beginning. Um, we blame Kenyan traffic, but we thank you so much for joining <laughs> either way. How are you doing, Monica? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you for having us. And I, I love it when women come together uh, in such platforms. So it's really a pleasure being on here. Thank you so much. Now, continuing the conversation, we've just basically spoken about how you ladies came together and decided to do this and how, how Heels for Pads was born. We've also just spoken about the reality, you know, how desperate and devastating the situation is in reality, not just, you know, based on the facts and the stuff that we read about, you know, in the news and stuff. But like, what are people actually facing? And coming from you ladies who actually interact with these people, you know, on a regular basis, I just wanted to get a feel or wanted to have the listeners get a feel from people that are dealing with these people firsthand. Um, what exactly a lot of women are experiencing, not just in Kenya, but in Africa across the board. But now let's talk about the menstrual stigma, because just the fact that we, you know, we still have those privacy boxes means even for the girls, or more especially for the girls, you know, there's still this stigma. There's still this very daunting, you know, sort of shadow. Or, or overcast idea just surrounding the issue of menstruation even though it's something that is just so widespread I mean so many of us you know go through this so many of us experience this on a daily basis it's the process that comes literally before somebody is born first of all I just want to know you know in Kenya like what is the state of menstrual stigma for you guys definitely when you're talking about stigma uh, we are talking about like cultural beliefs that you know uh, hold back women from experiencing and managing their menstruation with dignity and yes. uh, respect they deserve. So if we don't start with a conversation, um, how else can this be extended to women who are in need of products and services to actually, you know, enable them to go through that journey with respect and dignity? Through our journey through Heels for Pads, we have seen how stigma or different forms of stigma because we work with different communities sometimes they can be communities up in the northern Kenya where it's pretty much very very cultural and predominantly is you know Muslim and yes. uh, this 
is like a very, very harsh conversation. So you find even when we go there, they don't want us to address the girls because we are outsiders, yet we are women. Mm -hmm. So um, in this case, we always partner up with champions, people from the communities that realize these are actually a problem. And if we speak their language, they will probably understand what's going on. So that's how we build the bridge to kind of like uh, rise above that stigma. But then again, we have to keep talking as much as this conversation might be or may look uncomfortable to some people. uh, Once we continue talking about it, I think two, five years down the line, we are not going to be talking about stigma anymore because right now we are in the business of mainstreaming menstruation. That is not dirty anymore. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's where we stand at Seals for Pad. I love that. Business of Mm -hmm. mainstreaming menstruation. Yes. Even in our very privileged positions, I personally have mentioned this in the previous episode that I had about menstruation and I hope to have many more conversations about menstruation so that, you know, I also further the fight to mainstream menstruation. Even I feel very uncomfortable. Even I do the CIA thing, you know, when I'm disposing of a pad, when I know that there's a male relative in the house, in the room, in the vicinity, because it's just something that should be concealed, should be hidden, should be shameful almost, you know, it's dirty. Why are you, why are you tainting other people's environments? Why do you want to now dirty this? You know, that's, that's kind of the feeling. It's always this very unwanted thing. And um, that now brings me to asking, how do you guys tackle the stigma that men have towards menstruation in your environments? And we'll start with Angela. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's, it starts with us women. How, what is the narrative that we're putting out there about periods? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a male colleague of mine. Um, we had done this social experiment, Monica and myself, we had done a social experiment in a corporate office setting where we had stained our dress and our trouser with fake blood just to see how people would react. And, you know, one of my bosses, it's like he saw and he didn't say anything. And I may, you know, and it's very obvious that he saw, but he was so nervous. He's like, now what do I do? And and people, you know, his his seniors are like, wait, why is Angela like this? Why haven't you told her? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I can't tell her. And so, you know, much later on, once we let him know it was a joke, I asked him, I was like, um, why wouldn't you, you know, tell me that I have like a spot on my pants? And he's like, you know, women act like it's a no-go zone, you know? So who am I as a man to now come and tell you as a lady that you have period blood on yourself when women themselves can't even help other women. So his thing was like, there's a lot of other female staff and they haven't even approached you. Mm -hmm. His notion was um, the way we as women treat periods and the narrative, you know, of how we walk into our house, hiding a packet of pads. Just like you said, you still have that CIA syndrome where you want to hide a pad like it's a gun, you know? (laughs) So why, why, why can't we just openly just hold a pad? Like it's just, it's a pad. It's not a big deal, you know? So I think it starts with us. And I think that's where stigma begins to die. If we act like it's not a big deal, I think men will follow suit as well. Mm-hmm. Monica, what do mm-hmm. you think? Uh, well, I could, um, you know, add on to what Angela was just saying. So when we went out in the streets, uh, you understand that this is the central business district. So there are all manners of people. So uh, I was walking around the streets and the most progressive men approached me. They were like, hey, sis, you have a stain. And uh, I remember this guy, I think he was on the phone and he asked a lady who was passing by, like, hey, can you help her? Mm-hmm. So 
we asked him like at the end of the day like why did you feel the need to step in actually i think he was on the phone and he was he just stopped talking on the phone he was like ah i i couldn't just let her walk around like that i have a sister i have a wife mm-hmm. you know i have a daughter so why should i be i mean why should i share off from telling her that she has soiled her dress so that was really amazing like and and to say that most of our supporters for heels for part they are actually men wow really find yes we when we do our drives you'll find like most of our male friends who come in droves um to buy sanitary pads they share our our work on their social media so i think there's a shift here so um we are excited to see how these goes you know a year or five years down the line because we need more male allies in the fight for period poverty and what are their thoughts when when they actually come through you know in their numbers to support what do they say is their motivation you know to finally put aside all of these very backward you know myths and misconceptions about menstruation I think to me, it seems like they never understood the magnitude of, you know, how many women or girls can afford uh, menstrual products. And when we tell them this is where we went and this is the situation, they're like, what? For only 50 shillings? Mm -hmm. Like a girl cannot go to school because of 50 shillings. Then we tell them, oh, you actually for only $6, which is about 600 shillings, you can support a girl for a whole year. So that means that she will stay in school. Educational performance will be enhanced and possibly her future because she doesn't have to, uh, you know, engage in transactional engagement for feminine products like sanitary pads. So I think they just need to be fair this information that this is a situation and this is what you can do to stand in the gap. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for the shift. I'm excited to to witness more of the shift in in South Africa. We're speaking a lot more about menstruation. The the last lady that I had, the very first lady, you know, that I had where I was speaking about this menstrual conversation, she calls herself the minister of menstruation. Just to break those boundaries, to really challenge the status quo and to make people uncomfortable, but to make people also open, you know, to having this conversation more often, open to embracing themselves, you know, as Angela said, that if we don't set the standard for ourselves then of course men are just going to follow suit um, and treat us the same way that we believe this thing is so definitely now like i said at the beginning many people um or off air rather many people think you know it's just it's, it's just about like sanitary pads that's that's what menstrual health is or, or menstrual health management rather please tell us a little bit about you know what else is quite crucial when it comes to managing your menstruation it's not just about the period products but tell us a bit about you know the importance of the education and you know, the hygiene practices that one needs to employ in order to make sure that they're having a healthy period? Uh, When we go to a lot of classrooms, we just want to test the knowledge that maybe girls have already about their own period. You know, what age do you get a period? What is actually happening inside of your body? So the actual basic anatomy, understanding what's actually happening to you, I think that takes away the fear factor mm-hmm. of, you know, seeing blood and everything. Um, so we make sure that they understand at least the foundational science behind a period. And also like, you know, what it means. It's that transition to womanhood. And also we like to do, you know, just demonstrations as well. You know, letting them know like the types of products you should use, like when showering, you know, like you shouldn't be putting soap upside you or whatever. But there's just basic questions that we realize a lot of girls have. 
So, you know, you teach someone like you're talking, you know, from a blank slate. Don't mm-hmm. assume like someone knows all the, it's just like when you buy anything in a shop and it has every single instruction, assuming that you know nothing about it. Yes. So I think that's yes. how we approach a lot of these discussions in classrooms. Um, Monica, you, you can add on to um, that. Please. Yeah. Um, there are also some components that are very important in how girls and women manage their menstruations. You know, you can't have you know, a dignified or a clean menstruation without clean water where you're supposed to look up after your body hygiene. So when we talk to the girls, we always make sure that we tell them you have to at least, you know, shower once a day when you're on your cycle. And then uh, there are places we've gone, um, waste management is an issue. So we tell them uh, you don't want to toast your, you know, uh, huge sanitary pads and the next minute you see it on a scrap or, you know, and your goat is just eating a night so mm-hmm. you need to know how to properly dispose uh, your sanitary pad and also telling them that there are alternatives uh, when they grow up they can make a choice to either you know take up other sustainable menstrual products like a cup but you see at this stage we are dealing with stigma we can't tell them to, to introduce stuff like tampons and menstrual cups because they're like they're gonna break my virginity mm-hmm. or some parents will feel some type of a way why are you telling our girls to insert some things there but we always tell them that they are products and they have a choice so when they grow up and they feel that they want to use other different products they are readily available and also the you know importance of privacy because every girl or woman should have access to a private facility where she can easily change you know her menstrual products or even like you know menstruation comes with a lot of you know sometimes diarrhea mm-hmm. uh, frequent use of toilet so we we want to make sure that a girl has access to proper uh, latrine or a toilet so that they can feel even cleaner in that process of changing because you, you don't want to change in a bush and you're looking, you're having your CIA moment, like who is checking <laughs> where I'm changing my pad. Yeah. So it's um, a whole load of information that we feed to the girls. And of course, we always tell them menstruation comes with responsibilities. So for example, uh, you are no longer a girl that, that is not fertile so if you play with the boys you know what happens mm-hmm. uh, so our colleague the other colleague has a formula where she tells the girl p plus b is p so periods plus boys might end up being pregnancy if you play <laughs> so we always tell them like you know girls you have to look after yourselves um so and then again just in closing even us as we are talking about menstruation we have to say there's so many times we've gone to a doctor's office and they ask you when was your last period and that determines Mm -hmm. the part the doctor actually takes yes Uh, so it goes without saying that menstruation is a key lens into your overall health Mm -hmm. and we can't just know and say oh it's all about blood it's not always about blood it's more than that and we make girls understand that there's more and period is power i love that yes (laughs) um you did touch on the issue of sustainability and i and i i really do think that that is a very important aspect and one you know ends up asking you guys are doing a great job you're distributing these pads and you know what is your plan of sustainability to continue to sustain this change and this help you know to these young girls um so when it comes to the aspect of sustainability it's really really important you know we 
really try to align ourselves with SDG goals um, when it comes to our initiative. Um, so there's two uh, routes that we're taking, one being um, a dignity kit that we've developed. Mm-hmm. Um, so a dignity kit basically contains reusable pads, disposable pads for girls that may not have access to clean water at the time of their you know, menstrual period. Um, it contains a reusable face mask because uh, you know, in Kenya, it is still a requirement to wear a mask in public. We also have soap underwear as well, because some communities where we go to, girls actually don't have access to underwear. So it would be difficult for them to wear a pad um, and then also a waterproof bag for them to store um, their reusable pad or just their products in. Um, And that typically can last a girl for about two years. But on a more uh, sustainable level, we've recently launched an Adopt a Dispenser project. Yes. One thing that was really hard for us to always know once we left a school is the actual impact that we're having when we visit these places. So Adopt a Dispenser, basically, it's a it's a dispenser that basically accounts for every single pad that's donated, how it's used. Yes. Um, so a girl is given something called a confidence card, which is almost like the equivalent of an ATM card. And every month she's allotted a certain amount of pads. And all she has to do is take her confidence card, go and pad machine and it automatically will dispense a pad and when that pad is dispensed on the back end the machine is recording uh student 1160 uh has gotten this many pads in the month of october so we're able to at the end of it all correlate ever since pads were like in constant supply uh, you know have the students attendance increase mm-hmm. you know uh, talking to the guidance counselor have you noticed a change in the girls confidence levels we're able to somehow measure the direct impact of having pads not be an issue in the classroom anymore so those are like two sustainable projects that we're looking into and then also we want to uh, you know train women how to create usable pads within their community that's another project that we'll be joining forces organizations in terms of giving women the skill set to learn how to create their own reusable pads things that they can also use to create their own income um yeah that is remarkable who are some of the the shareholders and and what is the importance of having shareholders you know in actually taking these projects forward and not just forward but you know having that that really big impact that you're looking to to have that big lasting impact uh, maybe i can take that as angela was saying uh, we have partnered with the guidance and counseling teachers in public schools so when she was talking about uh, you know we will gauge is the level of absenteeism uh, lower and a uh, developing you know more positive attitudes and uh, behaviors mm-hmm. um, so of course the educational officers are key stakeholders in what we are doing because from our data we are going to inform them that girls are performing even much better there's lower uh, dropout rates because of menstrual poverty there's gonna be like a behavioral change and that means that we have lower um, you know young girls getting pregnant or being given off to enforced marriages mm-hmm. so when you're talking about all these key issues that are surrounding girls' well-being, uh, we're talking about educational players, the stakeholders, the chiefs in the communities that we are serving. 
And one of our strategy in terms of the adopt a dispenser, we are involving the private sector. Uh, so for example, as Sakina, you can come and say, I'm adopting a dispenser for certain school. And for the entire three years, I'm going to be able to replenish and uh, give girls access to menstrual products. And also you're going to have like branding. Uh, it's going to be named, um, you know, this dispenser was adopted by Sakina. Also private sector, they have a role to play. And uh, we're hoping in doing such partnerships are going also to influence workplace MHM policies that, for example, if a woman doesn't come to work at a certain period in a month, yes. the HR is not supposed to call them to the boardroom and just call them. You have to openly share that I have really bad cramps and I can my productivity will be actually affected if I stay in this office. Mm-hmm. So we uh, in the future, we want to you know be influential in terms of like having those policy design around menstruation in private sectors and um, you know we've had a lot of support from private banks private companies so it's a new journey we are hoping that more stakeholders and more people will come on board and help us end period poverty I love it and I love how you know you have a very holistic approach to ending period poverty to helping these young women to changing you know the narrative when it comes to the discourse of menstruation and it's come to that part of the show where um, we have to say goodbye we have to say thank you for coming it's always a bittersweet moment but I really do appreciate it and it's just a moment to really reflect on the great episode that we've had and once again to just be really really appreciative for you guys taking your time out I know you have a really busy schedule I would have loved to speak to Angela Oweru as well but it's all good because you ladies have given us more than what I could have asked for and again thank you so much for taking out time in your busy schedules you know to educate mainly my South African audience you know a lot of the people that listen to my podcast are living in South Africa at the moment and of course we hope to spread the message a lot further across borders you know internationally and and, and so forth but really really thank you we really appreciate and of course amplifying our work on your platform and just in case your uh, listeners would like to follow our work they can do that on our social media which is sister speaks 254 or heels number four pads on Instagram so thank you very much and uh, kudos for advancing this very necessary conversation and uh, we hope that one day we'll have, you know, an African country actually declaring free sanitary pads for all. Yes, absolutely. South Africa yeah. tried, you know, has began by not taxing, by removing the tax that is or was placed on, on sanitary pads. Of course, not all menstrual products have, I mean, they're still taxed as luxury, luxury products, many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on the pads, you know, we have that, that sort of subsidy and there are um, stores like ShopRite, for example, who have certain pads that go for about five rand. And if we're looking at dollars, it's about a third of a dollar. So that's that's actually something that's quite notable. And, you know, speaking about what the government has done, this is the very last question for the episode. What do you believe that your government should be doing? The, the you know, governments of African states in general should be doing and um, what kind of policies and reforms should they bring in order to normalize menstruation and to make life easier, you know, for menstruators that cannot afford this basic human rights? There's been a lot of notable policy changes uh, dating from 2014 where the impact tax uh, was actually subsidized. And just last year, we had a standalone uh, menstrual hygiene management policy that uh, was passed to actually recognize menstruation as a human right. Mm-hmm. So I applaud my government for you know being one of the few African countries that have taken that step. And uh, it's all about us uh, watching from the outside to hold them accountable. So like one year later, we want to see like notable actions 
that are turning around the situation. You know, every advocate out there, it's our work to hold the government accountable. And we can't sit down and just wait a 65-year-old man to make decisions for mm-hmm. women. Because again, lived experience is everything. So we need more women on uh, positions of leadership to make these very important policies. And yeah, power to you. Continue doing what you're doing. We hope that the menstrual caravan of Africans can come together and actually do something that yes. changes the situation for all. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much again. Um, it's yeah. really, it's really a pleasure and it's an honor to be able to be in this position, you know, where I can do this, you know, I can I can facilitate such conversations and I can really meet young ladies like yourselves who are doing an amazing job um in your respective fields. So with that said, thank you to each and every single person that has listened to this podcast or continue to listen to this podcast and will share this episode, especially to those that they know. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member, as I always say, and let's make Sakina Speaks a household name. Sister Speaks also have a podcast. Um, you know, they're on radio at 2 p.m. on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So please go on to their Instagram page, go on to the Heels for Pads Instagram page and pitch in where you can. If I'm not mistaken, you guys have a GoFundMe account. Yes, Yes, it's a GoFundMe. Yes. So you can pitch in from wherever you are all around the world. It is a great charity, a notable charity. And if you are in Kenya and they're having one of the really cool, fun events like coffee and painting drinks. Yes. Yes. Show up, you know, show out and really go and support this really great organization and, and meet these young ladies. They're amazing. They're doing great things in their respective fields and being from the diaspora. I mean, it's a beautiful site and it's a painful site. Many a times, uh, you know, it's the diaspora that feels that pain and comes back and just like tries to shake people in, in, in their native land. I'm somebody that is part of the Congolese diaspora because I'm living in South Africa. I think it's actually a gift that we are able to to be taken out of that situation to to have that outside perspective and outlook, Um, you know, in order to really understand the issues that, that affect us the most. But with that said, it's been an amazing one. Please do take care. Continue to listen to the podcast. We are on Twitter now. So go on and follow the girl on Twitter. Keep the conversation going, like I said, because that's how we are trying to effect change one conversation at a time. Stay blessed. Sakina has spoken. 